Greetings listeners and welcome back to 963 Universal Frequency. I'm your host Esther Clare, spreading awareness with an open heart, an open mind, living life and being free. In this episode, I will be speaking with Mia Hollingum, a member of the Croatian community here in Western Australia. She's also the daughter of a suspected terrorist in the connection to the Croatian Six. And if you're unfamiliar with the Croatian Six, you're not alone. The Croatian Six consists of a group of men, Lilia Kodokovic, his brother Joseph Kodokovic, Viktor Brakovic, Tony Slovakic, Mil Nekic and Max Bebek. They were all falsely accused and set up with fabricated evidence convicting the men of conspiring to plant bombs throughout Sydney in 1979. The young men were beaten and at times beaten until unconscious by the police. They were slandered by the surrounding communities, sentenced to 15 years in jail, torn away from their families and stripped bare of freedom from the system that they thought would protect them when they were only trying to propagandize against the Yugoslavia regime and fighting for independence. ASIO were looking very closely at Udbar and tracking them, but you know the uh, problem with intelligence services is that they come to regard the information and the sources of the information uh, as more valuable, more, more a thing to be protected than the rights of Australians who are subject to those activities. What the police did to the six was the sort of thing that you think Russian secret police do, you know, belting the tribe out of them to get us get a confession. This hadn't happened in the Soviet Union or communist Yugoslavia, it had actually happened in New South Wales. You tracked down the informer Vico Vierkets, who we now know was working closely with the uh, Yugoslav intelligence service. And you found him back on his pig farm in Bosnia. Yeah. Um, and he fronted up that he fabricated the lot. Yes. Well, well I mean, it, the, the ferret went down the burrow that Vico Vakes was there uh, in Bosnia. And uh, and so, you know, not a small um, project for the ABC in Four Corners, but we decided to go there and, and he was forthcoming. I remember sitting and interviewing him and there was a, a drift of rain. Let me get this clear. Six men, the two Kokotovic brothers, Bebic, Viritic, Nekic, Bratkovic, you gave evidence against them. In your view, were they all guilty? No. I were they think... all guilty of a conspiracy to blow up all of those targets? No. Could it be that they were all innocent? Yeah, it could be. Welcome to the podcast. Today I have the wonderful, brilliant Mia. Oh, you're going to give us such a warm and fuzzy introduction. It's really nice to be here. Thank you. And hello to all your listeners as well. Yes. Thank you so much for, for coming in today. I'm extremely grateful. I say that to all my guests because I am grateful. It's a pleasure it's to, nice be to be talking. invited. So thank you. <laughs> and I thought today we could talk a little bit about your heritage. 
Yeah, well, um, I was born in Australia, but I am the daughter of a migrant. So my dad came over from Croatia back in the 1950s um, as a refugee. Um, and my late grandparents on my mum's side also um, came over probably earlier than that, 30s or 40s or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was always kind of ingrained in me from a young age about being proud of Croatian heritage and um, we would be taken to the Croatian club. I would do Croatian folkloric dancing and I would attend Croatian school every Saturday morning. So okay. I kind of begrudged it as a kid for a mm-hmm. little while, even though I loved the dancing Croatian school, I was like, meh, and didn't fully appreciate it until I had the opportunity of going to visit um, and see where my dad and my late grandparents were from. And I was like, ah, thank you. That's why we went every Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> so you, because you just didn't like the dance itself? or you... oh, The dancing I loved. It was kind of a way you got to socialise with your friends. That was the way we socialised. But the creation school, like, was a bit of a, like, I've got heaps of memories and lots of friends that I still keep in contact with. But me and my brother would be like, oh, can't we just do something <laughs> normal? Like, why do we have to go to the creation school? Like, that sort of thing. So it's normal kind of. Yeah, stuff against your parents, um, which you kind of appreciate as you get older. Yeah. Yeah. And so you were saying you started to appreciate it when you understood the, the your heritage? Yeah. Well, see, dad was always really, I guess, political. In actual fact, he was actually trapped by ASIO. He was thought of as a terrorist, as a lot of his friends were as well. Um, and that's just so far removed from how I know my dad like my dad's Mm -hmm. really religious and stuff like that but he was followed like a lot of people by ASIO agents back in the 50s and 60s because you know Croatians were seen as terrorists and what does it what does that agent okay so ASIO basically would monitor my dad and his friends they would rock up to my dad's friend's place just after my dad would leave and they would say, you were speaking to such and such. And the friend would be like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And they'd be like, we just saw him leave your house. Like, yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Oh my thing. gosh. Um, and even when I was like a young kid, um, my dad would come home from work and there'd be a federal cop or someone in his lounge room mm. questioning him about stuff. And this was in the 80s. And- so do you think it was a form of intimidation? Or do you think that, because usually... I don't know, I feel as if government, when they're trying to catch someone, they're very quiet about it. It feels like they they were very in his face. They made it aware that they were watching him. I think so. And you, I guess you've got to understand, so at that time it was um, communist Yugoslavia. So a lot of Croatians had to leave because they couldn't live under communism um, and they came out and they dreamed of um, making an independent Croatia. So <laughs> they were quite active here in Australia as well, fighting for freedom for their country. So, you know, and I think at that time, like the Yugoslav Udba was probably still a huge influence Mm -hmm. within Australian, you know, influencing the Australian government foreign policies or how they deal with this, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, so I think that's kind of, it wasn't until obviously Croatia became independent in the 1990s that that's kind of switched a little bit. So... For those listeners that aren't aware, Yugoslavia is of the six countries. Is, is that correct? Yeah, so it was um, Serbia, Macedonia, Bosnia, Croatia, 
um, Slovenia, and then you've got the two pockets, I think Vojvodina and oh, I can't think of the other one at the moment, but there's like um, uh, separate entities as well. Yeah. And they were all obviously uh, forced, not forced together, but yeah, kind of clumped together because, you know, other powers that be yeah. think that we're all the same and we're not. There are so many unique customs and traditions for every region. Because, sorry, I'm just looking it up mm. at the moment. So, oh, sorry, my bad. They're saying here it's of seven countries. So, yes, you were right. Yeah, so Kosovo and Vojvodina, they were the, they were the ones I couldn't think of. Yeah. Oh, that's so hard to pronounce yeah. all of those names. <laughs> <laughs> the that's Balkans. Right. They became the Balkans during the time of Yugoslavia or was it prior? It's all very confusing. Yeah, I, I guess it's just easy to kind of lump us all there like that. Like, I don't really know much about that terminology. It's mm. just kind of like a term where everyone kind of goes, oh, where are you from? The Balkans. Everyone kind of knows where that ge- geographical area is, I guess. Yeah, okay. I don't really know where that's come from. But So the separation of Yugoslavia, that was around? Croatia and Slovenia fought for independence in the 90s. And I'm pretty sure we were independent in 92 I'll have to check the date but that's when we finally seceded and that's when we finally when Croatia finally had the world recognition that they're an independent nation as well yeah so your dad I'm sure he's uh been through a lot during his time so he would have been a youngster during World War II during World War II I mean his story probably isn't unique but like a lot of families like his family was separated by war so his father they never found him during World War II so he was obviously killed but that's all we know um and he was separated like with his mum and two sisters and then his two brothers fought in the Croatian army and then one of them was in, was taken into prison after World War II because obviously he wasn't a communist. He was on the other side. Um, and so he was in prison for like 20 plus years. So Wow, yes. 20 years. Yeah, plus. or more. It could have been more. But um, so, yeah, dad's family, like a lot of other Croatian families and a lot of, like a lot of other families who were impacted by war, um, were deeply affected. My dad's family were quite poor or from around that region were uh, notoriously poor. Um, and so he kind of grew up um, going to school and stuff, but then it was the, the best decision for him was to go to a seminary to get an actual proper education. Okay. Um, and then after that, like when he was in his teens, he would work and they would continuously send food to his brother in prison. So anything that they worked for, they would obviously make sure that his brother in prison was looked after as well. Yeah. So that's just uh, an interesting setup for a prison to do is that because they weren't being fed I'm sure they obviously it wasn't great conditions but um yeah I think that's what most of the families did like for their loved ones I'm sure like there's probably other families who who did the same for their loved ones as well yeah so and then because my dad obviously couldn't live under communism he wanted to be free he like a lot of other Croatians escaped over the border and became a refugee. Um, so I think he actually landed in Italy in a refugee camp mm-hmm. in Italy and had a choice of either coming to Australia or America or Canada. And he chose Australia and settled here. Okay. Yeah. Why, is, why is that? Do you think? I don't know why. Um, I'm not sure if he had any, I don't think he had any friends or anyone here because he brought his sister out after he came. 
maybe he just thought oh yeah well, massive change yeah, totally <laughs> changes <different>. scenery yeah <laughs> and yeah yeah so he came here and um worked settled in Geelong for a bit lived there for a few years and then came to WA for work um and like a lot of migrants I guess mm. went to the construction industry as well here and then he had his children yeah so he, yeah he met my mum through the Croatian community so it was only it was quite a small community back then small net um and he met my mum and they eloped which was uh, <laughs> unheard of as well and then yes uh, had his family and still continued to work in construction as well okay. whilst raising the family so the yeah. community has evolved yeah it's growing because Look, when I was in high school, I don't know, like I, it wasn't popular to be Croatian. Like mm. I would tell people my background's Croatian. You're so over the top, Mia. You know, <laughs> that's that's the comments I would get or from teachers. It's not a country, you know, like that sort of yeah. thing. And I'd be like, but Dad, they're saying it's not a country. Dad's like, it is, you know, like he yeah. was quite defiant and, yeah, very proud. So, you know, like that's just the way he was. Yeah. yeah. If it's strange or you know or ignorant however you want to put it but when I grew up learning about World War One, World War Two, like I had mentioned before I never really knew much about Yugoslavia it was always Russia Germany mm-hmm. and the small part or a little bit about Australia but I never knew that there was this abhorrent type energy feeling that people had towards Croatians yeah. especially here in Australia I just didn't I just I was never aware of, yeah, of I, the involvement. We I guess we've had such a bloody past and like anyone in the Balkans will tell you like from whatever side it's always been war and hardship and that kind of thing and that's something that's it, it, we've always kind of struggled as a, mm. as a nationality as as a people as I'm sure other people who fought, who are fighting around the world for their um freedom as well would would you know um understand. Mm. Yeah, so like when Croatia was declared independent in the 1990s, I I just felt so proud. Like I felt proud that my dad was so, and people like him were so determined and and had that influence to like see that change come through. And um, he was so happy on that day. Like he was just, I can't even imagine like having to Mm. flee that country and come somewhere else and Mm. yeah, have that. I guess that's validation, isn't it? Yeah. For your cause. Like yeah. it really is not that long ago. No. So I can see why it would still be a, a sensitive topic for a lot of people. Because yeah. after World War Two, Yeah, so the Homeland the, War the homeland was in the war. 90s. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, Dad's family, again, like other Croatian families, there were lots of people um, affected. Um, his nephews were all, you know, in the army and, and such. Um, and... I don't want to go into too much detail, like, because there's their side, our side, all that kind of stuff. Different like, perspectives. Yeah, yeah. like, no one obviously right. comes out of it. <laughs> no one's wrong. In a good way. <laughs> yes. Um, And, yeah, like, it's just that sense of freedom and that sense of struggle that they had to overcome mm. um, kind of makes me appreciate what, what my dad did and what my grandparents did to come here and, and you know, what they sacrificed for their families as well, for a better life, Yeah, to get away from that so that their children didn't have to live through that. Back on to your dad with the mm, ASIO. Yeah. So Australian, I think 
security intelligence officers. I don't know what they're. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When did that end? When did the stalking end? I think it would have ended, (laughs) I would say, mid-80s because they would have seen that my dad's working away in construction. He's got a family. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not quite certain of the end date, Mm -hmm. but it's funny. One of those, one (laughs) of those like people that used to like harass him basically became good friends with the Croatian consulate general. (laughs) (laughs) So like, yeah. So I guess there was that, like I said, there was that influence um, (laughs) from the former Yugoslav secret service who had influence obviously in all government departments obviously they can't tell you that yeah but that would have been it and then obviously yeah they would have been up to date with world affairs I mean like the Vatican recognized Croatia like all other countries Great Britain blah blah blah. so you know you have to kind of follow suit don't you what could they possibly think your dad would be up to being a terrorist what like neo-nazi style possibly bombs I don't know bomb threats all that kind of stuff he was very involved with the Croatian community and they were seen as extreme because mm-hmm. they weren't calling themselves Yugoslav so that's why and some of his friends like were probably part of like a, a, a willing they were willing to kind of maybe sacrifice I don't know like I, I don't yeah. know the full story of that but um you had um I don't know if you've heard of the Croatian Six. They were framed. They were framed for being terrorists. And the Croatian yeah, Six. In Australia. That was all like the Yugoslav Secret Service having influence here. And I think one of those guys was an actual agent who actually framed them and Four Corners did a story on it many, many years ago. And they found him, you know, and he admitted he was an agent. So like taking to set up people. Okay, so this says here, Croatian Six spent more than a decade in jail over a bomb plot, yeah. and they now want to clear their names. Yeah. So 1979, yeah. New South Wales. Yeah. Yes, he was part of a conspiracy. That night, he and the network of other Croatian migrants were to set off bombs throughout Sydney. Yeah. It's an act of terrorism. So that's what ASIO were kind of monitoring because they were getting this information that wasn't true. Mm. Or they knew it wasn't true, perhaps preordained it to influence the narrative. There's probably more to the story that... I actually never knew about this, yeah. but this is definitely something I would look into further. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's yeah. probably why my dad was, like many other Croatians, he wasn't the only one being watched mm. by ASIO. Um, and I think he actually got his... He actually got his file under the Freedom of Information. And like it's quite a thick <laughs> so a thick red book, right? Yeah, with like names, dates, all this kind of stuff, like of their notes. It's just and bizarre. he still and he still has it? He still has it. Yeah. I don't Do know if you ever can look- say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to ask if he's still got it. Sure I don't think does. this podcast is that popular. So <laughs> you guys are safe. <laughs> So have you ever looked in it? I had a brief look, I think, when I was a kid, like a teenager or whatever. I don't really recall. I remember seeing other people's names that I knew going, oh, wow, like they're in 
there as well. <laughs> How did he get the book? Why did they give it? Yeah, so I can't probably go into that. Oh, okay. <laughs> They'll get him in story. a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, anyway, they, they got their hands on it. I think it was a good friend of his, yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to live in that era that time mm. I mean it would have been an awful thing but I when I hear stories about it and people's experiences I just think about what it could have been like if you if you were there yeah me like here you are as a person now back then yeah and they're now saying well, there's speculations that we're now going under the, the the third world war with the whole COVID and it's just done in a different form and and yeah, you do have all these these groups of people that are fighting for their freedom, and and then there's all these little other groups too that have different views, and it is segregating a lot of people at the moment. Yeah. And, and it's it, I mean, look, everyone is subjective, aren't they? Like, That's true, I'm yeah. obviously going to be um, protective of my dad and protective of those like my dad who came over here for a better life and mm. that kind of thing. And I'm not going to say Croatia's perfect because it's not. Mm. Um, there's a lot of corruption that's still ingrained there. Mm. Even though it's a democratic country, there is still aspects of the old communist ways there as well, which a lot of people, some people like it, some people didn't want, want it to be changed, but other people, you know, still see how there's, you know, a bit of favouritism and a bit of corruption, a bit of nepotism and all that. It's not perfect at all. So what would you class as communism? What would be an example, a quintessential of a communist? Well, all the, I guess it's the communist ideology where everything was controlled by the state. A lot of people, like there was lots of food rations and that kind of thing. You couldn't just go and get any type of cheese, like stuff like that. The coffee was like a big thing in some villages where, you know, you were lucky to get any coffee Mm. because everything was kind of rationed out to everyone Um, and also the ideology like people didn't people's um, letters were being read like so family from Australia was sending letters back home they were being read vice versa Um, phone call you know phones were being tapped um, all that kind of stuff so it was Mm. a very big brother state and you had the secret service there watching listening so people weren't um, allowed to really um, express their faith either mm-hmm. like um, you know they weren't really allowed to go to church well I, they, I think they went to church but it, it was kind of seen as against the state kind mm. of thing and I'm just going on stories from my dad and stories from other you know family friends and, and stuff like that it might not have been the same for everyone or in every region mm-hmm. depending on who was in those positions right yeah because sometimes people in those positions were protective of their villages as well. So some of them did some good for people. You know, it, it's kind of who, who you know. Yeah. And so not knowing your grandfather, what actually happened to him, yeah. do, does your dad ever think about maybe he was still alive and he maybe captured and just... Nah, I think I think he was probably killed uh, was he sorry a, a soldier i don't was think he... no he wasn't a soldier but his sons were i think they were just it was just that time you know whatever side would have um like killed him along with other people um and, and it's unfortunate like they never found him they never found where he was buried or anything like that um and that kind of i think shapes you like i understand why 
understand why my dad is the way he is. Like when I got to go to Europe a few years ago, like flying into Dubrovnik and seeing that Croatian flag, Mm. I just cried. Like I just thought of my dad and I thought of my grandparents and I thought of all those people who had to leave Mm. such a beautiful country. It is a beautiful country. Yeah, like, and I just thought, oh, my God. like You would never have thought that there was all of this killing. No, (laughs) no, because my dad used to say, oh, you know, the tomatoes and the figs taste so good. I would be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, seriously, can't be that great. Mm. And then we went there and I was like, oh, yeah, it's pretty great. (laughs) That pristine Adriatic coastal line the walls like the buildings it's beautiful isn't it the hole in the wall I don't know if you ever went to that bar but in Dubrovnik I don't know from the mortar from the from the wall like okay possibly what do you call it a cannonball had like hit through the the brick wall but you walk through it and then you're out into the ocean so it's like a a bar that's on the rocks oh okay I didn't go to that one we went upstairs like up to the top there's like a place up there oh yeah I went yeah. to that one as well I can't remember the name yeah I don't know the name but yeah and the wine was divine <laughs> it I remember getting it in one of those but uh, like vase. carafes or something yes. yeah yeah one and liter or it, they always was... ask you do you want half a liter or a liter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not two can I get two and it would be this orangey color okay and we freaked out when we saw it because that's proper homemade wine. it's proper homemade yeah. Yeah. and we kind of went oh this isn't white wine and they said no this is yeah she, she said something in her her language and yeah it was the best wine I've ever tasted <laughs> and yeah so oh yeah Dubrovnik beautiful and the water is crystal clear oh, isn't it? Yeah. going to split split Split's was yeah. awesome uh, a little bit about my travel there. I actually landed in Belgrade. Yep, in Serbia. In yep. Serbia. And we went to the Exit Festival there. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the big festivals in the whole wide world. So I actually think it's my biggest festival in the whole wide world. This would have been around 2008. So at least 13 years ago. And so, yeah, it's actually in Serbia, Novosad. Yep. I had explained to you before. And it's the Petro Ravidian fort. There's a lot of history in this fort. I think it dates back to like 1600s. And, and so they have these big events at this um, every, every, I think it's every year. It's usually every, every year. year. A lot of Croatian performers perform there too. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, there's all these underground tunnels. They, they block off a lot of it. But me and my friends went on a bit of a adventure. And we ended up getting very, very lost. So like I said, a lot of it was blocked off. They actually do recommend that you need a guide. So I think it stretches out something like 30 to 33 kilometres. And there's at least eight different levels underneath the fort. But you could see from what I saw, you could see these little tunnels of where people would hide. And yeah. But it, it definitely had that eerie feeling. But a really cool story, we ended up, on the side of the fort. Don't ask me where exactly. And one of my friends had a spliff. So lit it up. Yeah. We're all talking. And there was a group of guys not far from us, big guys. They're all talking and we just figured, yeah, let's just light it up here. And you know, we didn't really, really mind. And then two of the big guys walk over to us and they start talking to my friend, Nevin, and they're hitting it off pretty well. And then this little guy comes over, he's wearing a hat. And so they're all talking and sharing a spliff and 
the the guy that had it, the little guy, he passed it to me and I I took it and I went, oh, I, I don't do this stuff and gave the spliff to my friend Aaron. And, and he walked off and she said, don't you know who that was? I said, no, who was it? She says, that was Pharrell. Really? <laughs> and so, yeah, Nevin was like, I was just chatting to Pharrell Williams. How could you not have seen that? And I just, and I was literally that close and I touched his hand because when I took the spliff, Amazing. I touched his hand. I'm spewing now because now I wish I had a bit of that spliff. And it probably wasn't Facebook times then. It was. Like, it was. Selfie? Yeah. was I it think it time? was, but I don't think we were functioning well enough to be yeah. able to take a selfie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand what you're putting down. <laughs> See, um, my husband always talks about going to the exit festival and I just can't mm. because, yeah, like it the might history. be. Yeah, I, I just couldn't do that to my dad. That's, mm. yeah. So what was the connection between Serbian and Croatia. Are you able to elaborate on the relationship there? It, it, I, I'm not going to go obviously into too much yes. detail because okay. there's yep. obviously their, you know, their side, our side, blah, blah, blah. But um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of war, obviously, between the two nations. Yeah, like we're just culturally so different. They've got their, I guess, not agenda but they've got their views we've got our views um that's the way I see it that's the way I've been brought up okay so uh, yeah I don't know um I don't really want to comment too much okay yeah no that's okay yeah like we've always been lumped together and it's and it's not correct okay you know they probably feel the same as well because I I didn't spend a lot of time in Serbia. It was only to just to do with the festival. Yeah. I do remember the, the people being quite friendly. Uh, the place that we were staying at, the guy just gave us endless amounts of grappa. Yeah. And it was just awesome. It was homemade stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do remember, yeah, it, did have a, it had a good feel to the city. And then we had a bus that took us into Bosnia. Mm-hmm. And we stayed there for quite a few nights. But Bosnia could really feel the effects, the of, effects war. of the war. And yeah. and you could, I had mentioned before, you could see bullet holes yeah, definitely in a buildings. lot of the buildings. The people's faces, just so stoic. Yeah. And even though it's a beautiful city, like I, I, I personally think it was one of the best, be, most beautiful cities I've ever been to. Mostad? Was Mostad. Yeah, Mostad. And... Yeah, you could just feel that there was that tension. Nobody really wanted to talk about the war. Everything's no. been sequestered. Yeah, and I don't even remember there being a tour you could go on. No, to it's learn all about it. um, because you've got the three. So you've got because um, my dad was born like probably thirty minutes from Mostar, so mm. that's where he like that's where he's from. That's where his family's from. Um, you've got like the Bosnians, you've got the Croatians, you've got the Serbs, and it's very much segregated. It's segregated around those parts yeah like you you know what cafes to kind of go to who's going to be there like yeah. just by the brands that are displayed that kind of thing so it's very much that um I noticed that too there was lots of bullet holes still mm. in the buildings and you know the roads aren't as fantastic as say no. like on the way to Croatia and that kind of thing where you just see like they've just kind of been forgotten about yes. which is awful mm. yeah yeah you're right um mm. and it's such a beautiful diverse mm. part of the world really yeah Yeah. and then you have that transition (laughs) 
from Bosnia into Croatia. Oh, my God, the roads are good. (laughs) (laughs) There was one back road we went, I I don't know, like I didn't drive, my husband did. Mm. And honest to God, I had to like turn away because like, basically a truck was coming the other way and he's like right on the edge and he's he said he was trying not to like freak me out <laughs> I was just like how do they drive on those roads it's like crazy yeah and you hear lots of stories about that yeah no as well yeah it, it did have a bit of an Italian feel to it. That could be wrong to say. Um, in Croatia? In Croatia, yeah. for the windy roads a little bit. Not not windy roads, but the cliff-type yeah. areas. I've... Well, you know, um, Dalmatia was under Venetian rule for quite some time as ah. well. So when my grandparents were born, so yeah. this was interesting. I was trying to get um, Croatian citizenship at mm-hmm. one stage. And so I obtained my granddad's certificate, but his name was actually in Italian because he was born like in the 1920s. So I couldn't get citizenship through my granddad because it didn't show, his spelling of his name was in Italian. So instead of it, so his name was Nicola with a K, the Italian spelt it with a C. So I couldn't get it that way. I ended up having to get it through my dad's birth certificate. Okay. Yeah. So even though they were born there, yeah, <laughs> they came under Venetian rule. Ah, yeah. so you right. might be right. There might be a yeah. Maybe that's why. I don't know. I, don't know I just did a bit of architecture, a bit well. of the countryside of Italy, and I just had yeah. a bit of that. Um, yeah, and Italy's to beautiful it. too. Yeah. Mm. The parts that I saw. Yeah. So yeah. So your dad. Yeah. How when you? I know you said you became a refugee. So did he stay in a refugee camp? He stayed in a refugee camp. I think it was in Italy, like so um, with quite a few other Croatians and other people. Yeah. And how then, difficult would it have been for him to cross into Italy from? How do you do um, that? Well, I don't. A boat ride. I, it's funny. I've never. He's never really. He's only told us bit bits of bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess it's pretty. I guess it's pretty painful for him. Like he's only told us like little snippets of his life and then his other friends have told me like other bits, like who grew up with him, like yeah. what he was like. Um, so, yeah, it would have been very difficult and obviously very difficult for his family um, because, you know, a lot of families were being interrogated. Mm. Uh, where, where have they gone? That kind of thing. So um, even though it was common, like lots of people were leaving, there was still that fear. You know, like he he wasn't able to ever go back. That's what's going to ask. Has he gone back? He's never been back. So, and I actually think he's a little bit scared to go back. Like he's in his eighties now, because so much would have changed, and so much of like his hometown would have changed, and I don't think he would have. He would find it quite overwhelming. Overwhelming. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But um, he is in contact with his nephews, which is really great, and um. Yeah, like my mum got to meet them a few years back mm-hmm. um, and I'm in contact with one of my cousins as well, which is really nice. Oh, nice. So yeah. um, he probably laughs at like my attempts with Croatian because like, my grammar's <laughs> probably not as great and I've got the Australian accent. But um, yeah, like we, we kind of like keep in touch and stuff, which has been nice. And yeah. I hope obviously with COVID and all that, I hope to go back like, back there and finally visit them. And yeah, them, that'd be nice. Which would be nice, yeah. Yeah, so when was the last time you were there? So we went probably four years ago now and I just felt it's it's really strange. Like even though I'm born here, I'm Australian. Mm -hmm. I'm proud to be Australian, 
I'm also very proud of my Croatian heritage. And when I went there, even though I knew I was on holiday, I mm-hmm. felt so comfortable. I was speaking in Croatian mm-hmm. everywhere. I just felt so relaxed. I was very welcomed. And I know like that's the tourism and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But anywhere that we went was just fantastic. And yeah. um, I just felt such a connection yeah. to that country. Yeah. And I was so glad that I had the opportunity of visiting there. Yeah. I did want to brush over the Spomenics okay. monuments. I know that there's so many of them. There's they're scattered throughout all of well, it's not no longer Yugoslavia. It's yeah. so much easier to say Yugoslavia instead of yeah. the whole, all of these countries. The one in particular in Croatia, you know a little bit about. Um, so there's quite a few. Um, the most recent one would be in the town of Vukovar. So there's a big, um, I think it's like a water tower. That's probably mm-hmm. like the most renowned one from the last war. Yeah. Um, there's also the Mitagoy Cemetery where lots of memorials are held for like special Remembrance Days and that kind of thing. I don't know much about the other ones that you're referring to because there's so many. There, there's, there would be memorials to those who were partizani so the communists there'd be memorials to the ustashe who were seen as fascists and there were also probably memorials to the domobrani who were also like another wing of the croatian army who like were separate from the other two as well so yeah so i don't really feel comfortable in commenting on all of them yeah um but yeah some of the designs are very unique yes yeah that's what's tripped me out because i i never got to see any of these monuments when i went there obviously the the one in croatia i got to see but i never even looked at it as a spomenic and i never really knew what a a spomenic was until i saw some of the architecture of some of these monuments the ones that i had shown you obviously you had not seen before you've seen no some of them no I, I, I wouldn't know but they are in these remote areas so they're a lot of them are out in the forest or in the national yeah. parks and they're just forgotten about mm-hmm. and so yeah you can't really find a lot of information about it like I was saying before mm-hmm. some of the architects names are mentioned but a lot of them you don't know who created them but what fascinated me was you know World War Two. I mean, World War I, 1914. And then you've got your World War II, which is, you know, ended around, you know, 1945. And so whoever designed these buildings has just this futuristic (laughs) extraterrestrial, I'm going to have to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I do. I feel (laughs) like some of them just look like, they're from outer space yeah. but do you think it's because you're comparing it to Australian architecture and stuff so well like- I look at Russian buildings as well and their monuments and they're nothing in comparison to the Spominics mm. they're just they're all very different yeah yet they for for being back in that era I just quite modern very modern yeah. and they do resemble some of them resemble spaceships yeah okay. i personally think i have found there is a youtube that you can go on and some guys actually go inside that monument the one that i said looks very very foreign and they they're still clothes there but clothes from soldiers that are burnt and they're just scattered throughout this building and mm. they talk about the smell yeah. 
it seems like just a lot of some of those buildings, there's a lot of concrete involved. There's a lot of metal involved. And I just, yeah, it, it just, yeah, yeah really yeah, made me feel I mean, as if they were from another dimension. <laughs> I could know be that. <laughs> I wouldn't know that. I don't know. Yeah, they were funded by like local um, counties or something like that. There's, like, there's even one that looks a little bit like a heart. Did I show you that no, picture of that one? one? I'm really bad at pronunciation, so I'm not even going to bother pronouncing some of these things because <laughs> okay. I just sound like a twerp. But like even that, that to me yeah, looks like a, a rocket ship. So I don't know. You might have to pronounce the name yeah. of that one Let's for see me. Where it is. Um, see, it even says, looks like alien artwork. Yeah. And I don't want to offend the people of Croatia by saying, Amir, are you part alien? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Although, okay, so that's in Podgarich, I would say. Well, I don't know. Looking at looking at that article, it says it was commissioned by um, oh, Tito. Did you need me so, to go back? Yeah. So he was kind of the leader of communist Yugoslavia. So he was like the main dude. Um, so it, he commissioned them. So I'm not too sure. Um, he wanted to be, I guess, like a pioneer in something a little bit different. How do you pronounce See, this one, Mia? This is the one that I think looks like a, a rocket. Sansky Most. Okay, so this to me, because it's in Bosnia and Herzegovina, so Bosnia and Herzegovina, it almost looks like a mosque. To me, it's got that sort of a symbol. Mm. I don't know. It kind of denotes that shape like a little bit. Do you think, do, 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 you, do you not think for that era that that is? Oh, yeah, it's out there. But, yeah, like he, I don't know. And what was he, the other one? Um, this one. This is the one yeah, that I thought looked a bit like ugh, the heart and then... Where's that one? So this is, sorry, how do you pronounce this one? So that's in Petrovagora. Petrovagora? Yeah, and the other one's in Khrushchev. So that's the one in Khrushchev that you're looking at. Mm. Yeah, that does that does look like a heart. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I just, I feel like, it, and that's what upsets me a lot in my travel as well because when you're in your 20s, you're obviously going to festivals and you're having a fun time you don't really learn a lot about these types of things and I, I feel that they're important I, I think like to hear that people don't like talking about these monuments mm. I that, um, that, that upsets me because I feel like we need to know what happened so we don't repeat it I, I don't think, I don't yeah mean, I think I don't know maybe because people were so afraid to, to talk publicly about how they feel I don't know I'm just going mm. on mm -hmm. like say my dad's family friends other family friends that I've spoken to over the years because you are so um it was the I'm trying to say articulate what I want to say the secret service was so prevalent and the state everything was run by the state yeah. you weren't allowed to talk about anything mm. it, you had to talk about things privately in your home and even in your home you weren't you weren't safe. Yeah. Someone could have overheard you, or you know, that would, they could have been listening to the phones. That's right. Like that's why, possibly people, and obviously, you know, depending on 
you know, what happened to their families as well. It, it's probably an old wound that they just want to forget about. forget about or kind of suppress, mm. you know. And, yeah, we should, I mean, we should be talking about things and we should be hopefully learning from things, but we don't seem to. Mm. <laughs> I mean, even here in Australia, like, we didn't really learn about what um, the white settlers did to the Indigenous, the indigenous people, yeah. people. Like, I never got taught any of that in school. Neither did I. I. I'm so ignorant about that. Mm. And I'm so glad that we're learning more about um, our terrible history and our terrible treatment Mm. you know and hopefully we as Australians learn from that yeah because yeah even even without when I grew up I didn't hear much about it you know I'd never see those pictures that you would see now with Mm. you know Indigenous people in chains and things like that it wasn't until I watched Rabbit Proof Fence that I actually went oh my gosh I'm gonna look into this a bit more I sort of knew about the lost generation but it was never really in my face no. until I saw that movie I was like I was thinking wow was it really like that back then and then I started digging around and then started to not appreciate but just have that uh, understanding of what Indigenous people yeah. obviously not in comparison to what they actually experienced but it made more sense do you ever watch war movies about World War One, World War Two, the impacts um, that it had does your dad there's one I think he's watched recently about Vukovar and there's ones about Bosnia that we've watched. There's been a few probably. I haven't seen all of them and my dad would be very reluctant to see anything that is kind of Hollywood produced. Um, is that because it's over-exaggerated, take the piss, it's uh, embellished? Possibly. He would, it probably would be um, against his views maybe. Um, I saw 1918 when it came out a couple years ago. 1918? Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. a really good, that was a really sad, realistic movie about World War One. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I've always been really attracted to watching those films. Mm. I don't know what it is. I kind of feel like maybe I was previously, like, reincarnated from that era. Because I'm a 1983 baby. Okay. I'm not going to tell you how old I am. <laughs> no, oh. <laughs> no, you're not. 75. I'm old. I would never have thought yeah, that. 75. I act like I'm 22. <laughs> oh, wow. I never would have thought. You don't look it. Oh. Sure. <laughs> but, yeah, no, because I, I watch a lot of films. But, the, like I said, like, even, even films, I don't really find there's a lot of films about Croatia. There's probably been a few. Oh, there's, there's one excuse me, that came out maybe a couple of years ago called General, and that's about one of the Croatian generals. Um, I didn't get to see that one, but a lot of people said it was, you know, there was mixed reviews on that one. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's probably, like, heaps more that I haven't gone into. Yeah. Can't, like, haven't really watched too many, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's probably not a good mind frame to be in to watch that yeah. kind of stuff I mean I guess uh, I don't know I don't even think it's the action that draws me to it I think it's just the situation it's the and stories of the people yeah trying to understand what they went through I I'm intrigued by that I don't know why but yeah I mean you look at those poor people that had to flee Afghanistan and mm. you know 
I can't even imagine like just fleeing with your family with no no belongings nothing just get on that plane and do you feel very fortunate to be here in Australia of course definitely mm-hmm. I'm I'm so thankful that my dad chose to be here a I was born mm-hmm. <laughs> um and b we've um we've had a pretty good life um in you know we've we've not seen war here mm-hmm. um and I'm grateful that my grandparents came out as well um, and that they could provide a good life to my mum and her sisters. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you feel about Australia being labelled as a totalitarian society? I think there's lots of good people, mm-hmm. but oh, some of the decisions with government, like I don't know why you'd become a politician anyway. I couldn't do that job, but <laughs> some of them are just not... Some of them are very self-serving um, and not willing to listen to their constituents. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always been about that. It's always been about money and power mm, yeah. and big business. and A lot of arrogance, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, and the small person always loses. Better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and that's but it, been but every do, single do, government everywhere in the world. Do you think that 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 is the Australian citizens' fault because we, we're, we're voting for it? We're, we're paying this money to be treated well, yeah, this way, in, think, a, in a way. Because it's kind of true. We, are, we, are, we, are, we pay a lot of tax to be controlled. Yeah, we do in comparison to, be to controlled. other nations. <laughs> yeah, we definitely do. Mm. Um, I don't know. Like, everyone's ideology is different, and I get that. But And I get, you know, you're not going to have the same political point of view as I am. Mm. That's fine. We can still respect each other. Mm-hmm. But I'll always respect you, Mia. Yeah. I don't likewise. care if you're Croatian. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a really tough one because there's so many factors that influence someone's political uh, decisions to vote. There's, you know, security, your job, your religion, um, all that kind of stuff. And I kind of feel like conservative males conservative well no i would say it's conservative males and females yeah i know a lot of conservatives yeah (laughs) they're kind of ruling at the moment yeah and that's probably been fed it's been fed into media it's been you know what i mean like Mm. it's kind of yeah and the little person is being forgotten about yeah that's you know yeah that's how how i see it yeah um and so I guess we're getting a little bit off page here, but I just wanted to go. <laughs> we definitely are on a whim here. I did want to talk about your radio station. Yeah. So um, obviously being proud of my heritage and that, and after coming back from Croatia after my holiday, it invigorated me to do something a little bit creative to celebrate uh, my heritage. So um many years ago I did a voluntary radio show with some friends and then when I came back from Croatia I was really like yeah I want to do this again Mm -hmm. so um I contacted a good friend of mine and then we started doing a weekly radio show just at a local community radio station Mm -hmm. and I wanted it to be mainly for those that are born here to celebrate so it's just it's not political we just play Croatian music Mm -hmm. we talk a little bit about sport celebrities that kind of thing but it's our way of kind of um, celebrating our heritage. Yeah. And we've been going almost two years now. 
um it's a long time every week yeah we love it um they haven't turned you off no <laughs> they can't get rid of us really but um it's a good sign yeah like it's good because my girlfriend she's got two daughters so that's kind of her release every week we'll do this show mm-hmm. and that you know she gets to kind of be creative in her way as well um and yeah so we've both got different perspectives but we're both you know born here and just you know ultra proud of our heritage and that's one way we control it so because i have listened to radio's station i think you guys are brilliant thank you because <laughs> being live as well yeah it's is, oh my god would be it's so if you regret saying something it's too late it's It's out there it's it's also (laughs) um when we first started oh my god we were so stressed and so terrible like one (laughs) night like something happened with the computer and I just froze and there was like five minutes of dead air and we were just like (laughs) I don't know panicking and stuff so now we've got like backup cds and all this kind of stuff happening like yeah um, and it happened a few weeks ago again where the computer just froze and so I had to reboot it as we were live. And mm. thankfully I had CDs and stuff like that so that we can continue. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty bad. But um, just on that as well, like, so um, we had a couple of creation artists reach out to us as well. So oh, that's, that's awesome. been really good through social media as well. And those artists are based in Australia or are they? They're in Croatia. Oh, yeah. Awesome. So we'll play um, different artists each week. We'll have like a feature artist. Um because we've got traditional singers that our parents know and that we've all grown up with, but there's some new up-and-comers who are fantastic and so talented yeah. and, like, there's Croatian singers and bands that sing in English now as well. Like, yeah, okay. Um, you know, I don't know if you notice, but, like, anywhere you go in Europe, they speak, like, two or three languages. I know. It's I've, just unbelievable, oh, isn't it? me it's away. fantastic. Yeah. I like, just know one. I just know, well, one and kind of a second <laughs> language, but... They're just brilliant and they're so fluent and mm. that's really encouraged, you know, mm. throughout this like education. So, yeah, like I, I think it's fantastic. So it's been really good that they've reached out yeah. through social media. Yeah, who knows? There could be some interviews, that kind of thing awesome. so, which we're working on. But, um, yeah, like I'd love to spend more time on that, but obviously working full-time and that's difficult. It's good to see that you're actually being heard over there. Yeah. So, so can you see a certain percentage? or We how- can see, like, we because we're also through an app we don't get to see those statistics but we can see if there's people listening to us or we've got like a Facebook page and people comment and that kind of thing which is nice so we've got a couple of loyal listeners as well and um, people in the eastern states um, have asked us about a podcast so you never know you might get in that line so thank you for your inspiration (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's just about finding the time but um, it's good like you're kind of volunteering there and getting mm. the experience as well because yeah. that's what I do find with doing a podcast is because you're getting out in the community you're talking to people yeah so you, you you're learning as you go and not yeah. just learning about how to to podcast yeah. but you're learning about things in general different issues different yeah. issues other people's perspectives and there's some people out there that don't really think another person's perspective matters unless you've got a degree or some sort That's of background. So not true. <laughs> it's not true. There's a lot of intelligent people in the world. You just get to so connect with them. And yeah, so that's what I wanted to do with this. And hopefully, yeah, it gets out there and hopefully you get out there too. Yeah. I, think, I think you'll definitely 
be amazing at it because you're like you're a live person so you're you. <laughs> you're well prepared it's, you know what it is it's because i can't see anyone <laughs> but as soon as like eyes are on me like i was in an office meeting the other day and i was trying to get the computer to work and i could feel like 15 sets of eyes and I was like, oh my god <laughs> like, my husband's like what are you worried about because like, everyone was looking at me and i was under pressure when i'm not being you know like under anyone's gaze yeah yeah yeah. no okay oh no so uh your radio station if people want to tune in yeah so um we're on 107.3 hfm heritage fm in gosnells um you can listen to us through the tune in app and we're on every thursday night from seven o'clock to eight o'clock we've also got a facebook page called the two crow girls um so find us on facebook as well and we've got all our um song links and video links on there as well so keep up to date yeah thank you so much mia thank you esther for having me (laughs) it has been fun now let's get drunk now (laughs) (laughs) i said that to hanya as well (laughs) but we finished off a whole bottle of wine for our podcast but yeah you're good (laughs) um so thank you again and yeah I hope people tune into Mia's radio show. It's really, really good. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Esther. There was no evidence uh, at all. There was nothing like that. It was just, we were just a a normal uh, family going. I mean, I was eight and a half months pregnant and, uh, you know, we're looking forward to sort of, you know, the next baby and that. So, no, there's nothing. And, and, and that's the sad thing about it. And that's what makes me really cranky because um, you have a look at and you're in a country where you feel you've got the law and there's justice and uh, things like that. And there's no things like conspiracy theories, but the reality for, for, for us is there was. And, and, and that's what's really sad because you're, you sit in society very comfortable with that knowledge that you feel that, uh, you know, you've got the law. But in this case, they were set up. Have a look at uh, Roger Rogerson. And uh, for me, I just think, well, there is karma, you know? Even with justice, it's, it's really hard because you can't give somebody back their lives. And that's the sad thing because life's gone on and a lot of people have been damaged and uh, that's very hard to fix. But there's also always that knowledge that it's there, it's obvious, it's been brought out and it still hasn't been sorted out and it should have been.